0: Let us pray. O Jesus, you bring divine authority in your flesh in order to heal. Thank you for your grace that you come down to us and cleanse us. We confess our doubt, magnifying our goodness and our reason, belittling your authority, power, and gifts. But let your word be for us to shape us according to your will and bring us to the final heavenly wedding banquet. Alas, Lord, craft and do with me according to your will. Shape and form me as you will. Only help me that I do not destroy your work of art. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Holy Gospel, appointed for the third Sunday after the Epiphany, according to St. Matthew, the eighth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Please rise. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Just then a leper came to him and bowed down to him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was healed of his leprosy. Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. Instead, go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and pleaded with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. He said to those who were following him, Amen, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. I tell you that many will come from the east and the west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And his servant was healed at that very hour. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. After his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came down from the mountain to be among the crowds. And there he encountered an unclean man, a leper. He healed him. And then entering the town of Capernaum, he was petitioned by a Gentile for the healing of another. When God moves on a mountain, there is something significant being given to you. Just as Christ here came down from the mountain and encountered the leper in order to help him, so also he came down from his high throne of heaven in order to cleanse us from the spiritual leprosy of our our sin. He is the almighty Son of God, begotten from eternity, but also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, and he is our Lord. He comes down from the mountain, revealing his authority, but putting it to work for you. Jesus has authority to heal. And with that authority, he comes into your uncleanness and he gives eternal blessing. The four verses that describe Jesus' encounter with the leper are dynamic. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Just then a leper came to him and bowed down to him, saying, "'Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean.' Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. "'I am willing,' he said. "'Be clean.' Immediately, he was healed of his leprosy. Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. Instead, go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Among the crowds that usually followed Jesus, individuals sometimes stood out. And the Gospels highlight those who oppose Jesus, but more significantly, it highlights those who need him. In conversation with some opponents, Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous. But sinners, human nature and pride would naturally focus on the value of the leper in this account. Compared to the clean members of society, a leper who was unclean was excluded. This is what the letter of the law declared of them too. The person with the skin disease who has an infection on him must wear torn clothes and let his hair be disheveled. He must cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. For as long as the infection is on him, he shall remain unclean. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Leprosy and all these kinds of skin diseases in Scripture were the mark of death on a person. It turned some part of the body into a corpse before the actual death of the person. It brought with it a kind of impurity like the impurity of carcasses and corpses. As a result, the behavior required of lepers was a kind of mourning, tearing their clothes, disheveling their hair, crying out. They were mourning their own death, even while they were still alive. Leprosy was connected with sin, therefore, something that kept a person from the temple and from the community and from life. And anyone who touched a leper would touch death and therefore also be corrupted. Sin is just as corrupting. It's not that leprosy was contagious. That's not the point. Sin isn't contagious in a way that makes sense either. But the point is, God wanted to separate the people of Israel from their impurity. The first psalm says this, O oh, the blessedness of the man who does not walk in the company of the wicked, and in the way of sinners does not set, stand, and in the seat of mockers does not sit. Because he wants blessings for his people, God put the protective barrier of his law around them to keep them from sin. But by keeping the letter of the law, some could deceive themselves and others into believing that they were more righteous in themselves. But this, in fact, less left them worse off, in a way, because then they rejected the way God was trying to make them aware of their need and aware of their sin and prepared for the glorious healing and salvation that he would provide. Think of the fact that a leper would have to read Psalm 1 with no hope in himself. He can't escape the company of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of mockers. He is separated from the very source of life and can only cry out to God for mercy. He can only say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Consider that prayer. It's a simple prayer of faith, resting on the authority and mercy of his Lord Jesus. This leper must have heard the sermon Jesus had just preached, in which he taught the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And one petition in that common prayer is this, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Luther's small catechism, we confess the meaning of this petition, that the good and gracious will of God is certainly done without our prayer, But we pray in this petition that it may be done also among us. This is the only kind of prayer that can be rightly offered without doubt because it doesn't depend on the man. It doesn't depend on me. It rests entirely on the good and gracious will of God because he rules all that he has created. He can and will do whatever he wishes. And so the leper prays in faith, in God's authority, in Jesus' authority, recognizing his own unworthiness. One difficulty we face in this sort of faith is the reality that trusting in Jesus' authority and will means accepting crosses. St. John gives the description of the political beast who has given power to him by the dragon, Satan, and says he was also given permission to wage war against the saints and to overcome them. This revelation highlights the fact that it is God who is in ultimate control of the crosses and persecutions that come upon his people. Revelation says here, patient endurance and confidence are needed by the saints. And Jesus said, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's God's will to conform you to the image of his Son. And this image includes many stripes and suffering, tribulations and anxieties in your troubled sea of life are designed to drive you to the safe ship of God's gracious will. If you take up the cross bestowed upon you, think how Christ himself then carries you. See what he did for this leper. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was healed of his leprosy. Jesus took up human flesh and he filled it with his divine power. He exercised that power in order to win and give you salvation. The mere human who touched a leper would make himself unclean, just as the mere human who associated with the wicked, sinners, and mockers would himself become one of them. But Jesus touched the leper. Jesus ate with sinners. He was not corrupted by them, but they were healed and sanctified by him. Even now, he comes with his word and sacraments into your uncleanness, and as he does so, he gives you internal blessing. The encounter with the centurion is famous because Jesus said, Amen, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. How does such faith show itself? And what does such faith receive? Like the leper, the centurion recognizes the truth about himself. Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. In Luke's account, the Jews have much to say to recommend this Gentile soldier. They say he is worthy of having you do this for him because he loves our nation and he built our synagogue for us. Besides this love for the Jewish nation, the centurion shows great love in this request but he asks nothing for himself, but only in love for his servant, he presents this suffering of his neighbor. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. But despite all that recommends this man as being so worthy, faith forgets all of this and looks instead only for Jesus' grace and powerful word. And faith indeed clings to the word. Only say the word the centurion says. He recognizes not only his own unworthiness, but he also recognizes Jesus' power. He relates it to his own earthly authority. I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. If even a mortal man himself, unworthy as he confessed, has this authority, the Son of God has far greater authority. He can command the sickness which afflicts this suffering servant, and it will certainly obey. The mighty centurion forgot all his own power and simply threw himself on the will and power of Jesus, begging for one little word that would change everything. By faith, we know that the universe was created by God's word so that what is is seen did not come from visible things. That strong word of God that made everything out of nothing can certainly make health out of illness, strength out of weakness, faith out of unbelief, and life out of death. Again, the point is not anything about us. It's not about me or you. The subject of human beings is left at the point that man is weak unworthy, dead, and incapable of accomplishing what is necessary. But the point, rather, is about God, and especially about Jesus. God chose the foolish things of this world to put to shame those who are wise. God chose the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are strong. And God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to do away with the things that are, so that no one may boast before God. But because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us the wisdom from God, namely, our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God did this so that just as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The world does not praise faith, not really. It might praise something called faith sometimes, but that's not the same thing that scripture describes. When the world says you just have to have faith or things like that, they're talking about a quality in yourself. They're talking about a personal inner strength, a conviction, an endurance, and a constitution. But real faith is silly to the world. The world values things that are related to personal identity. Even the attitude regarding how you identify yourself is key. Authority for who you are resides in yourself, and you have to have faith, they say, ultimately, meaning faith in yourself. Jesus issues any idea that personal identity makes any difference. I tell you that many will come from the east and the west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Jewish leaders who were confident in themselves would have bristled at this because they identified as the children of the kingdom. Jesus was telling them that this personal identity would not qualify them for eternal, heavenly wedding banquet. Instead, what qualifies for entrance into this final heavenly feast is true faith. Such faith doesn't merit anything, doesn't deserve anything, doesn't earn anything. Such faith is only receiving the blessings. Such faith comes from hearing the message, and the message comes through the word of Christ. Looking at those in heaven, they are not identified by any ethnic identity, any personal identity or worthiness, but they come, as John says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing in front of the throne and of the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands. They called out with a loud voice and said, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are saved passively, receiving the identity given by Jesus through his blood. Jesus bore his cross for the world, dying for the sins of all sinners. And sinner was your only real identity, the only identity that mattered into eternity. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, child, Norwegian, German, anything else with sin, none of that matters. Sin is sin, and sin will be condemned. But in Jesus, it was condemned. He took the cup of God's wrath unto himself. And as a result, he gives you this new identity. In fact, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Indeed, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is not Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one and the same in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Through baptism, Jesus washes you with his blood and gives you the robe of freedom and of royalty. Through holy communion, Jesus feeds you a taste of this heavenly feast now on earth as you eat his body and drink the blood that he shed, marking your hearts with the blood of the Lamb so that you are granted immortality. Through his word, Jesus declares you forgiven, righteous, calling you by name. The world mocks these things. Human reason thinks that's not enough, or maybe too much. But faith trusts the power and authority of Jesus, and faith receives the powerful word that he speaks, as foolish as it might appear outwardly. Jesus, the Almighty and Eternal Son of God, came down from his heavenly throne, set aside his power and authority, and humbled himself, In order to die for all human beings. Winning forgiveness and salvation for all through this humility. His power came to bear. Creating this salvation out of the deepest nothing. Salvation and life eternal out of the death of God. And his creating word is spoken from far away and long ago now aloud to you here. And it is connected with the visible elements he commanded as well, the water and the bread and wine, to give you this eternal blessing. Jesus has authority to do this. In this authority, he has determined these means to heal you. In faith, come and receive these blessings, trusting in the will of God because his will is to heal and save you and give you eternal life.